Hello, my name is Michael, and you are listening to Forever Sound Version, a video game music podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode number 17 of Forever Sound Version. My name is Michael, and today I am joined by my friend Rob Hunter. Hello. Hello, Rob Hunter. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm okay. Um, I've been reminiscing. Yes, yes, <laughs> reminiscing indeed. This is a... Uh, this is another console uh, system-specific focus. I've already done a bunch of these on this show thus far, uh, including the Sharp X68000, Nintendo 64, ZX Spectrum. We're going 8-bit once again for this one, and it's a console by Sega, the Sega Master System. A system I never actually owned, but uh, plenty of people around my way had one before they got Mega Drives and the like, and you had one yourself, is that right? Yeah, um me and my brother shared one and it was our first console first real experience of gaming beyond a neighbor's commodore 64 mm. playing a handful of bits but we didn't have a, a mega drive or a snares we jumped from master system to playstation <laughs> so our master system period is longer than most people i think so we have like the whole spectrum of games to choose from so right i wonder if that's comparable to how like a brazilian video game uh consumer might have experienced games throughout the 90s because it was an enduringly popular system over there wasn't it i think so i think yeah and you end up with games like the one we've just looked at where you end up playing you end up because you don't have many games and you don't have a lot of choice so Mm. you play the ones you've got a lot and you really love them whatever kind of degree of report it might be or however Mm. well respected that version is that's true. I mean, that that was uh, also true of the Commodore 64, really. Uh, it's a sort of thing where your, your parents pick it up so your dad can do the accounts and you meant to do your homework on it, but then in the end you, you go down the corner shop, buy a budget game and just force yourself to love it. That sort of scenario. 
And um, back in the day, right, we had those like, video rental shops that would rent out games as well, right? Yeah. And there was always a plethora of Master System titles and, and Mega Drive titles, and it was always an absolute lottery. Oftentimes, you just wouldn't, you wouldn't have any idea of what you were getting until you plugged it in and turned it on to find out how much of your money you actually wasted in the end. Yeah, and games, you play maybe a level and then you just stuck and then that's it <laughs> yeah there were some broken games for sure that first tune that played us in that was the title music title screen from the master system port of pit fighter and the credit i have uh, the composition credit i have for this piece is the doomsday machine uh we did a bit of digging and i i don't know who that is it's it sounds like it might be a uh, like a like a moniker pseudonym sort of thing, like an alias where the composer perhaps doesn't want to be credited by name for whatever reason. But oh, it could be an in-house thing. You suggested possibly it's, it's a game that was ported onto a lot of systems, and every port is basically a new game. Mm. The way Pit Fighter played, from what I understand, the arcade version and the 16-bit versions were sort of digitized fighting games, mm-hmm. sort of inferior, but in the style of a Street Fighter or a Mortal Kombat. Okay, Your okay. big digital, digitised sort of photographs of the guy scanned in. And then yeah. I think the SNES version, looking online, people were saying it was like the worst SNES game ever. <laughs> right. Because I think it was an attempt to replicate the arcade machine yeah. on the SNES. Whereas the Mass System version, the men are sort of these tiny little sort of centimetre high... You know, red, blue or green pants and skin-coloured torso oh, nice. kind of job. And the gameplay is slightly different. You move around the arena in a, almost like a side-scrolling brawler, mm-hmm. even though it's still one-on-one combat. Okay. Yeah, I can, I can imagine how that would be a little bit tiresome, perhaps. So the arcade port, uh, the arcade version and the SNES port, maybe it was gunning for... Like a like a proto Mortal Kombat kind of thing, where they wanted something like some semblance of photorealism. Yeah. So they would just make a sprite out of a scan of someone's face. Yeah. Kind and of thing. I don't know if anyone's interested. You can go down a dark hole of games that tried <laughs> to do that with increasingly less skill and less frames of animation. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, the the world of sort of digitized fighting games, sort of beneath Mortal Kombat. Yeah, is yeah. a sort of dark path to tread <laughs> where, you know, fewer clothes and <laughs> more outlandish imagine. characters played by increasingly few actors as well. <laughs> I don't mind that. I mean, Pit Fighter, I get the sense, might have only had a couple of guys because, a lot, because the way it works is you sort of, like, you can only play as three characters mm-hmm. and then you work your way up a sort of fight ladder the way you would in sort of Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Except... You don't fight any the three playable characters. You never fight against them. It's a, the the ladder of opponents is always the same mm. ladder of opponents, and quite a lot of them are masked, okay. which suggests they're probably the same three blokes. Yeah, repeating, <laughs> easy to make. Yeah. All right. Well, Master System music. Uh, what's what's your prevailing impression of it? Because you've you've listened to probably a lot more of it than me given that you owned the thing. Um, how was the quality? Was it fairly consistent in your experience? Did it vary a lot? Or There's a, there's games that sort of have quite sort of busy soundtracks, like a lot going on. Like there's some really high quality stuff, like 
I think because the Master System version of Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. I think it might even have zones that don't exist on the Mega Drive. Or it's, or it's, it's got that thing of being its own game. That's where right, even yeah. if the zones follow the same progression, the levels are brand new. That's right. And like, but the music they can replicate, they do for that. They're so, really spot on. There's, there's quite a lot of games where it's, it's sort of more kind of tonal stuff. Mm-hmm. The odd sort of scratching sound or sort of sort of background bleep mm-hmm. your games there's a game called Space Gun that has long stretches of basically silence okay which is an odd choice it's and that's a light gun shooter mm. with long stretches of silence what's that going to do for the atmosphere yeah <laughs> but then yeah I think we've got a good selection here chosen more of what I remember playing rather than an attempt at being really comprehensive mm. well nevertheless like I think we do have a lot of different styles of both of game and music re- represented on this list uh, I've, I've heard the picks through a bunch of times already and uh, no it, it's, it turns out it is indeed possible to compose some quite uh, quite decent stuff with the limited affordances of the master system so the sound hardware consists of a chip called the SN76489 which is a PSG chip Uh, This chip also featured in the Sega Mega Drive as like a second sound chip and it's capable of offering three channels of square wave tones so it's the classic bleeps and bloops cliche really and then additionally there's one channel of noise for uh, like like a percussion or a snare drum or just like if if, if that's necessary right so um, in the right hands this thing can be capable of really singing right it can if you know what you're doing with uh getting the voices to relate to each other properly and also if you can double up melodies across two channels and delay it slightly to give a kind of a spacey delay effect which is quite nice there's some there's some good stuff on the mega drive that uses that kind of effect right so uh should we get into some more music yeah i mean talking about making it sing the Mm. next one is in my house it would be I think if I, if I played it now, my mum would still recognise it. <laughs> and it's like the, the unofficial theme tune of the Master System as a console. Yeah, I, I believe that, yes. Uh, it is, of course, uh, Alex Kidd and Miracle World. True classic. Uh, we're going to hear a couple of tunes from this one. Uh, I've picked these tunes out. Um, I picked the title theme and the, the Jankin... Uh, oh, not the Jankin Boss music, but I was going to talk about that because yes. that was like that's like a little, a little sketch sort of thing, isn't it? Where you're doing the, is it like the paper rock scissors thing. Yeah, the boss fights are all paper rock scissors. Yeah, and I didn't realize until I was about twenty that each boss uses the same sequence every single time. All oh, right, does it really? Yeah. So I'm sat there trying to second because you can see what they're choosing in the thought bubble above their head, and mm-hmm. a little. For like the final second, second it'll switch, yeah. and then they'll switch to something else. And I can remember me and my brother and you know, sort of neighbour kids all being like, "What's he gonna do? What do you pick?" <laughs> and then years later, going, "Oh wait, it's, it was always the same sequence. You could, <laughs> as long as you were good at platforming, the boss fights should have just been a case of writing it down on yeah. a bit of paper, just and a formality, right? All right, yeah, that's the Jankin theme. It's it's out there, you know. Um, but we're gonna have the title theme for Alex Kidd and Miracle World. Uh, and also a tune called Castle, which I guess is a castle castle theme. It's right. the final full state. It doesn't have zones, but, you know, the, fi- the final sort of style levels of the castle. Right, got you. 
Okay, so here is Main Theme and Castle composed by Tokohiko Uwabo. We just had the main theme and the castle theme from Alex Kidd in Miracle World. And that's uh, day and night with those two picks. Day and night, night and day. One of them very bright and breezy, uh, you know, platforming away, vaguely cutesy. And then you have the uh, the foreboding sort of castle thing going on with the second one. But then, you know, the noise channels are uh, giving you that percussive thing we alluded to before, uh, kind of marking time, giving it a bit of a drum beat. Yeah, and it's it's the start and the end of the game as well. Mm-hmm. It's a, you're the first and last stages. Yeah. Um, so I guess you'd have that sort of setting off your on your big adventure. You know, Alex mm-hmm. kids jumping off into the your blue skies and mm-hmm. punching dragons. <laughs> right, having <laughs> so a great that, time. Yeah, and punching boulders and maybe by the end he's getting a bit fed up of doing that and he just wants to go home and yeah. And that last <laughs> stage, the castle is the palette for it is sort of a sort of greyish blue purple and a sort of greyish sort of reddy colour as well mm-hmm. so I guess it kind of fits that you sort of after having all the bright your sort of really bold blues and greens and yellows and reds that you're in this sort of the colours are muted and mm. so the colours match the sound drained and... yeah so the castle's kind of got this sort of haunted creepy mm-hmm. 
sort of vibe to it. Yeah, that works. So what about the thing where um, some of the music in the in in game music it can change within within a level depending on if you're on land or in the water, right? Yeah, on that the first level that the first the main theme plays sort of on the first level. I don't think it's a spoiler to say it because it's only the first. It's it, within the first twenty we, seconds we of a thirty-year-old game. Spoilers <laughs> on Alex Kidd and Miracle. Like, yeah, the, you, you sort of do some platforming, and then you fall down a hole basically. And as soon as you hit the water, this is still the first stage. Yeah. As soon as you hit the water, it changes to a water theme, huh. which is so you know sort of slower, mm-hmm. sort of floatier. Like, yeah, yeah. There's there's a sort of. I think we come to it later, but there's a sort of I think there's a bit of a lost art to sort of sort of context specific music in a sort of mm-hmm. this is land music, this is water music, this is what you mm-hmm. listen to when you're flying, right, right, kind right. of thing. And the water music definitely had a sort of underwater feel, mm. sort of vibe to it. But again, Alex, and you could also use vehicles. Oh and, yeah, and when so like on the next level, it starts off with that same main theme, and you can if you have the money buy a motorbike. And as soon as ah, you yeah. switched, you know, so as soon as you activate the motorbike from the menu, does it start playing like road rash music or something? Yeah, the music. <laughs> you know, it's this different, faster theme. Yeah, as you're jetting off, and there's a little helicopter that does the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to think. I I can't think of other mass system games where the music will stay change mid mid stage like that, unless it's like a boss theme. Mm. Quite often, the bosses there'll be a sort of. You, know, you you sort of hit a bit of a stutter, you cross a sort of boundary and then mm-hmm. the, there's sort of a hidden load point and then it's sort of like now you're in the separate screen block. I got you. But yeah, for yeah. actual mid-level transitions, I think Alex Kidd might be one of the only... It's the only I can think of off the top of my head. Mm. Well, not even Mario did that apart from if you pick up like an invincibility star, right? Yeah, well, I guess, yeah, the sort of Sonic has the sort of invincibility music yeah, yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Um but for sort of just shifting the mute, but that would only be this sort of temporary, sort of like more of a sound effect than a proper exactly, change yeah, in the yeah, yeah. in the levels, the theme music, really. Mm-hmm. I get you. And all this was, if you had the Mass System 2, part of the reason I think of it as being the the theme tune of just the Mass System as a console is Alex Kidd Miracle World was built into the Mass System oh, 2. the ROM was actually in the machine yeah, itself. so if yeah. you turned it on without a cartridge in, Alex Kidd started. <laughs> You're getting Alex Kidd, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think the Western version of the Mass System 1 had a game similar to the Snake, the mobile phone oh, game. Oh, right, yeah. It had some... It was, I think it was a sort of cross between that and a maze game. Mm. Um, you know, really sort of tech... Sort of... Not even tech demo. We just sort of there. You got to have something. Yeah. So, whereas yeah. Alex Kid was a game you could buy for Mass System One. You could buy as a cartridge. But once the Mass mm-hmm. System Two came out here in England, yeah, it was built in. And then if you bought a later one, Alex Kid was replaced with Sonic the Hedgehog One. Mm. When uh, he replaced Alex Kid as like Sega's home console poster boy, yeah, sort of thing. Which is kind of a shame because Alex Kid in Miracle World otherwise probably didn't have a. Like what after it was built in, I assume mm. the cartridge release was ended. So yeah. by the time the Sonic came out, what had been the like the game mm. was gone. Yeah, and then Alex Kidd sort of in a series of so he's very he was ill served as a mascot. He had mm. that one great game, and that's his first game. There's Alex Kidd. I think it's called the Enchanted Castle, mm-hmm. which has sort of sort of adventure game elements, sort of fetch quest sort of stuff, mm. buying the right thing from a shop to take to someone. It's kind of 
clum- clunky, clumsy kind of execution. Yeah, they sort of these, didn't know yeah. there wasn't the way you have with Sonic and Mario. Like you see one of those vintage Son- Sonic and Mario games, and it's mm-hmm. like obviously both of them now have you know racing games, sports mm-hmm. games. There's the Mario RPGs. There's mm-hmm. the 3D games. The new you knew the new Sonic game was going to be. Sonic's gameplay, platforming, mm-hmm. fast stuff. Very immediate, Mario, yeah. Yeah, Mario would have the sort of puzzle platforming elements. Alex Kidd never had that. There mm-hmm. wasn't another game in the series like Miracle World. Well, we still have Miracle World, so yes. maybe later on I'll, I'll bang that on for old time's sake. Uh, all right, so we have another one. We're going to Master of Darkness. Yeah, um, this was an a game... I'll tie this back to Alex Kidd, because Alex Kidd's box art if you see what the when i say the the sort of cartridge release sort of disappeared yeah its original box art is something that i would probably not have bought yeah we bought our games kind of from toys r us based on the cover art right and the mass system cover art if you remember these <laughs> i remember it's, it's sort of white with sort of graph paper lines yeah and the later titles and bigger titles all had their artwork like a full page of artwork like you'd expect a normal game cover now to look like mm-hmm. just on it and then the the sides and the back would be the sort of grid thing mm-hmm. but the early ones would have sort of like almost like the grid would be the entire front cover mm-hmm. this sort of craft paper grid with the title of the game all in the same font like a really lame font as well yeah it? Like, <laughs> this sort of look like a science textbook or something yeah and then a sort of essentially what would be basically clip art related to the game <laughs> i remember it well yeah yeah off center i think alex kids was sort of alex kid in the bottom left hand corner or something that looked a bit but not quite like alex kid in the bottom <laughs> yeah. left hand corner with his big boxing little fist yeah and yeah i wouldn't have touched that master of darkness is i guess it was the master system's personal equivalent to it being its own Castlevania. Like a Sega Castlevania yeah, type thing. Yeah, I don't know what other consoles Master of Darkness came from, but its front cover was a guy with a um, sword fighting Dracula, and Dracula's towering above him. Dracula's cape is open, and inside <laughs> the cape is sort of fire and sort of screaming faces and oh, right. skeletons with swords emerging. So it's like a and Man like, of War album cover. Yeah, and behind <laughs> it there's like a graveyard and a spooky castle and lightning. Yeah, and man. Like, yeah, we used to buy our games from Toys R Us, you know, being, you know, yeah, yeah. under 11. Like trip to the retail park yeah. with your parents. And from what I... This might be wrong, but I remember that the where you bought the games from, they would have the box art on the shelf and a little cardboard ticket in a little wallet oh, in so front of the game art. Okay. So, like, there weren't boxes on shelves. Yeah. You would then take the card, you know, so you'd look at them go, that's the one, mm-hmm. take the card to the back of the shop, and there was a little kind of counter kiosk where you would hand it over, and the guy would disappear into the back and bring you the game. Yeah. Like, like not even, like, the way records, some independent record stores used to keep, you know, the CDs under yeah, the counter. Yeah. It wasn't even that. The whole like game t- was... system. <laughs> the whole game was away. Like, you could, wow. you weren't taking an empty box. You, would, you had nothing, just this ticket. And, yeah, all you had to go on was the front and back artwork. And this was, yeah, this sort of mad Victorian London sort of Castlevania. Mm, interesting setting, right? And, uh, well, the music, actually, this is some of the best stuff I've heard on a Master System. So let's get into this one. We're going to hear two tracks again, Story and Thames River. So already foregrounding that London connection with this one. 
composers on this one are Takashi Horiguchi and Yoko Ueda.
two very, very, very nice tracks indeed on that one. That's uh, Master of Darkness. We just heard Story and Thames River. And yeah, that, that's some really, really good Master System music. Uh, I love how uh, two of the the voices on the PSG, two square wave voices kind of double up, like we've mentioned before, and there's a little slight delay across them. So you get that kind of spaciness like, implicit in the lead voice. And there's a big old chunky drum beat well it's it's an implied chunky drum beat i don't think you can objectively say there's much chunk coming out of that noise channel but you do still get a sturdy rhythm out of it don't you yeah like and i think that kind of fits where it is in the game because that story track plays between stages mm-hmm. where you get the the sort of story screen that be stills and sort of text underneath explaining what's coming next okay um and then it would lead straight into the level theme and that thames river is the first theme so you sort of you set up there with those two tracks kind of the way you would play them in the game oh, so I you see, get yeah. the sort of haunted sort of oh there's a mystery because you play this sort of scientist doctor mm. Ouija board experimenter guy and you sort of you know, the story explains what he's discovered and then it's sort of right track one he goes out to investigate Jack the River that's action time yeah right? and that riff the way it starts Thames River it's kind of got a real determination like mm. I'm going off into the night to you know uncover this mystery stop these killings and then later in the track you get that kind of slightly haunted vibe to it as as the level progresses and it's not just guys with knives suddenly there's like a sort of zombie enemy appears yeah. or there's bats appear and it's kind of discordant doesn't it yeah, yeah things get spookier and yeah it's really smart actually that that initial driving riff that do 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 you know that sort of yeah. thing it maybe it's just the london connection clouding my judgment but it reminds me a bit of uh like mid-period Iron Maiden, actually. <laughs> Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's got that. Like after when, when sort of between the verses where they, they start dueling together like Cause the guitarists. Because with, with Maiden, it's the bass that carries the song and the ca- guitars sort of right. dance around on top of it. Yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah. So like Steve Harris business. Yeah, and I guess that, that Thames River has the same thing. It's the bass that carries the whole track and then mm-hmm. later you get the, accent, the accents yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of drifting in and out. It's worth mentioning the bass... Uh, the Master Systems sound hardware doesn't actually have all that much in the way of... Uh, it, it can't really accommodate much in the way of low frequencies. The, the the square wave channels don't really go very low compared to something like the Commodore 64 SID chip, which is just really... It can get really dirty and low and gritty, but um, I think composers maybe had to be a little bit more crafty with how they compose things to just give an illusion of depth. You know, they can't, yeah. they can't have like real low frequencies but they can still have things kind of driving at the bottom you know yeah, and, to kind and of ground it master of darkness sort of that track and later ones sort of throughout the game it has kind of it'll have two or three melodies sort of mm-hmm. drifting in and out over the top of each other so i guess that helps with that illusion yeah yeah sure all right so now for something completely different yes. sonic chaos yes sonic chaos um a, a lot of mass system and game gear games are the same as each other sort of mm-hmm. um, so whereas the Mega Drive has the Sonic the Hedgehog everyone you know Sonic 1 yes that everyone knows um, the Mass System has its own kind of scaled down version you know it's the same progression of zones but the levels are different they're familiar but they're different yeah um, paired back in design yeah and, and Sonic 2 is the same but um, the Mass System version and Game Gear versions are shared and Sonic Chaos is a Mass System and Game Gear I'll say exclusive but even though it's two yeah. platforms it, it, it's a game that was for those two it wasn't a mm. port it wasn't a sort of a port of a Mega Drive title like the others were you. 
it's its own thing. And I kind of feel like it. This is this is an assumption of mine, just from the way it looks. But I think it might have been a Game Gear game first. Oh yeah, because everything in it is a slightly lower resolution than you would like the things don't look mm. when you watch them on a TV screen mm-hmm. your Sonic looks a bit kind of squashed okay is the best way <laughs> right. I can describe it I got, yeah so they went from like Game Gear and worked backwards from there to yeah get out I, the Master yeah, System I, I don't think it was sort of trying to fit a TV screen onto a you know a tiny little Game Gear screen mm. I think it was a case of having something that worked on the Game Gear and then just blowing it up onto a master system. Yeah, yeah. There's something about how Sega were fairly insistent on uh, releasing and publishing these uh, these Sonic-oriented games on the 8-bit platforms. I mean, obviously, the handheld's always going to have some punters after the handheld games, but uh, the flagship was the, the Sega Mega Drive, Sega Genesis, and yet they still like made original titles for the... Uh, you know, with the, with the Sonic brand on it, like, do you know the the Tails game on the Game Gear? It's like I think it's like Tails Adventure. It's like a Game Gear exclusive game. Don't. But I know there's a sequel to Sonic Chaos, which was reissued, I think, on maybe Nintendo's digital platform. All right. There was like a Game Gear, the sequel to Sonic Chaos, but it was like just for the Game Gear. Mm. They were serious about getting getting people to love Sonic and Tails, like so they would include it on everything they had going at the time, even if it wasn't their their main deal, the Mega Drive. Yeah, and you could play as Sonic and Tails in this, which right. was a real novelty. Mm-hmm. So even though I played Sonic 2 for the Mass System, um, but I didn't own a copy, so my two Sonic games for a decade or more. Yeah. My Sonic games were Sonic the Hedgehog 1 and Sonic Chaos Sonic on Chaos. the Master Right, right, right. Well, let's get into this then. We're going to hear another two tunes. We're going to have, let's see if I can pronounce this, uh, the Gigalopolis Zone and uh, Mecha Green Hill Zone, which you can kind of understand as a, a Mecha version of Sonic 1's Green Hill Zone. And composers for this soundtrack, are uh, the credits are Mix and Nagao NG.
tell Gigopolis is it's the sort of like city nightscape but also sort of casino okay like the casino night zone yeah yeah yeah. gigalopolis zone yeah sonic chaos we had gigalopolis zone and mecha green hill zone on the um the soundtrack for sonic chaos we found that there are actually game gear versions uh game gear tunes uh, alternative tunes so they've actually credited the game gear version as being giga what was it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> gig, gig it's different one of them's just gig apolis yeah gig, or... gigapolis zone and is on the game gear and gigalopolis zone is on the, me- the master system i don't know why they had to yeah. rename the zone it's a good uh-huh. soundtrack really isn't it like there's yeah. some quite interesting stuff going on uh um yeah like the i like the uh delay effect on the on the mecha green hill zone so like it repeats like the last note of a phrase with like depleting volume levels so you get the kind of delay thing going on and it's really brisk as well, yeah. um, which kind of reflects the gameplay at that particular point of the game, isn't it? Yeah, because with it being sort of shared with the mobile platform, I guess the levels are shorter than you'd expect mm-hmm. from the from like Sonic Sonic t- levels aren't that long anyway. Not really. These are the kind of thing you need to be able to play on a portable, right? So right, you can right. sort of blast through them. Yeah, so before you, the battery runs out because yeah, the game game batteries notoriously the, bu- you know, the bus pulls over, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> the bus falls over. But, That's it. But I think that how are we saying this? Gigalopolis. Gig- Gigalopolis. Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of sort of Casino Nights kind of style level okay, of, of that yeah, game. Yeah. Kind of glitzy. Yeah, the, thing. it's yeah. sort of got a black background, lots of blues and yellows and reds, yeah. kind of twinkling around, and you get that kind of cas- like sort of you get that vibe from the soundtrack. I think. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know these uh, these eight bit Sega games. They. Uh, they were really pretty at times. Like we can we can confirm, Tales Adventure is a game that came out on the Game Gear in '95, and I remember playing that one, and it's actually really nice. Like that, it would pass for an early Mega Drive game. Like there's quite a lot of detail on the Tales sprite. I suppose if you did stretch it out, uh, you know, beyond uh, beyond what the Game Gear screen is, it would look like squashed Tales. Yeah. It? But, <laughs> but still, it's it's sort of they they put a lot of love into these uh, into these titles. You know, to build a game from the ground up, and yeah, it says Mecha Green Hill Zone, but it's, it's not a reskin or anything. It's no, it's original level. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's original level. It's got its own color palettes, mm-hmm. unique bosses. You know, they really went to town on making. For all I was sort of saying, Sonic, Sonic looks a bit squashed and wrong. <laughs> it plays great. It's like responsive, it plays fine, right? and it plays. I don't know if you played Sonic. When they tried to bring back a sort of 2D Sonic a couple oh, of years ago, no, I haven't played that one yet. No, it looks like Mega Drive Sonic, but there's something about the way it plays. It doesn't uh, feel like Mega Drive. It doesn't feel like a classic Sonic title. Uh, okay. And for all that Sonic Chaos, you know, might look a bit murky, mm. it plays it's still sharp. Uh, yeah, as well. You know, perhaps even better because you get the spin dash, which Sonic One didn't have. Uh, ah, yeah, yeah. On, you know, so. You know, it plays perfectly compared to anything else that's on. You know, was on the mass system anyway. Hmm. Okay, what do we have next? Um, ah, Wonder Boy in Monster World. Yeah. Well, not to be confused with Alex Kidd in Miracle World. Or Wonder Boy in Monster Land. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which is a different game. We yeah. have a, also yeah. known as here Wonder Boy Five Monster World Three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this <laughs> What's all this about, Rob? This is yeah, Wonder Boy in Monster World. This is. I've played this recently because you can get it on Xbox Arcade. Okay. Um, 
and even before you asked me about doing a Mass System episode, I had already downloaded this because it is, this is genuinely one of my favourite games. Nice, okay. Um, and I'm not sure, you know, it's fairly unheralded. I mean, Wonder Boy is a sort of, I, he was never a mascot character because each game is about a different Wonder Boy. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Wonder okay. Boy. But so this one, this is, I think the most famous is probably the one where you play as a dragon, um, which is Wonder Boy 4 Monster <laughs> World 2. <laughs> right. Because, there's, yeah, there's a Wonder Boy game and then <laughs> Wonder Boy and Monster Land is also the first Monster World game because in some territories it's Super Wonder Boy Monster World. What are they doing? <laughs> yeah. But this one, this on the mass system, I think you could get Wonder Boy Monster Land, which is Wonder Boy 2, which is Super Wonder Boy Monster World. You could get <laughs> Wonder Boy 2. No, Wonder Boy <laughs> 3, which is the Dragon's Curse. Yeah. And then Wonder Boy and Monster, which is also Monster World 2. And then Wonder Boy and Monster World is Wonder Boy 5, <laughs> Monster World 3. The way to tell it apart is this is the one where Wonder Boy has blue hair. Blue hair Mon- Wonder Boy. Because in the previous one, he's a dragon. And in the one yeah. before that, he has blonde hair and a loincloth. But this right. one, he looks like... Well, he's got his blue hair, but otherwise he kind of looks... And he's assen- essentially, again, this, this is he's a kind of... It's an action RPG platform game, sort of crossover. Yeah. I guess it's to tap into the sort of Zelda thing. Oh, right. Even though it's quite a cutesy sort of platform game rather mm. than the sort of Zelda kind of more sort of mm. top-down the RPG thing. But it had uh, most of the gameplay elements you would recognise from a Zelda game. Really. Okay, okay. I mean, there's a bit in the first real cave when you're freeing the fairy village from the mushroom people where you have to use an ocarina to play certain melodies to that unlock doors. That sounds very Legend of Zelda. Yeah. Yeah, no um, doubt. But it's also a platforming... Yeah, a platforming it's, it's all side-scrolling it. platforming. Kind of Metroidvania, you go to... Okay. You, know, you have to... You, you're given this quest to go off. You have to go to, like, the Dragon Village because they'll give you, you know, a certain... You know, I think they give you sort of a heat power thing that then you can use to melt an ice door. Ah, and that's how nice. you get into the ice zone. You know, in that in in one place, you have to go and find a trident in a temple, and once you've got the trident, you're able to swim, so you can go to the underwater zone. Uh, so the questing around, yeah, but it's platforming too. Yeah, so okay. it's like an RPG, and you can go back and forward, but it just happens that it's two D platforming. Hmm. And I said before, I'm a big fan of music that's sort of contextual in a sort of. You get a desert theme and an ice theme, oh, and like a castle theme, and a the environment music. Right? Yeah, yeah, environmental music. Whereas you know these days you get a lot of kind of big dramatic cinematic sweeps. You've kind of lost. Oh, you're telling me, <laughs> you've sort of lost the charm of being able to play. I think the two choices we've got are really good for this. Mm. But um, you know, you sort of you don't have that contextual music anymore. And Not here, so much. You you really do beautiful stuff. Yeah, we've got um, Aztec Village and Desert Stage selected from this game uh this is composed by shinichi sakamoto and so these are two examples of the environment themed kind yeah. of music yeah, and they're yeah. two i think one of them's maybe the third stage and i think it might even be the third and fourth stages out of mm. maybe seven altogether okay seven or eight. So kind of like midway through yeah all right here we go then let's have aztec village and desert stage
had Azteca Village and Desert Stage from Wonderboy in Monster World, and that noise channel's working overtime on that that second track. Um, yeah, yeah, good stuff though. Yeah, I mean those two tracks come reasonably kind of, you know, sort of at the start of I guess the middle third of the game, mm. but uh, quite advanced. Yeah, yeah, I think they do kind of atmospheric stuff quite well because until you reach the Aztec zone, it's been kind of castles there's a sort of light castle stage a sort of medieval village mm-hmm. there's a bit where there's some platforming over some palm trees and then they sort of, the sort of village elders sort of tell you sort of oh you know something dark is happening here uh. you know and you and to get to the aztec zone you there's a sort of there's a level where a lot of the designs kind of red brick mm. um and it's like a Russell Group University. Yeah, this kind of strange sort of European village where there's a lot of kind of stalls and, yeah, there's a lot of stores and kind of inns and things like that. Right, and yeah, yeah. Your characters who will give you sort of, they don't give you side quests, but they'll give you hints oh, and tips. Like very cheerful, like early stage yeah. RPG crack. And then you get, and then you have to sort of, because it's a platform game, descend to what is the bottom level of this village. Yeah. You're sort of past everyone to this level where there aren't any shops or anything, and there's this you're at this one corner, and there's this is sort of dark bit, and you sort of pass out that map onto the the first Aztec theme, and mm-hmm. Aztec sort of to reach the village, you have to sort of journey through this dark jungle, and the color palette's completely different to anything else you've seen in the game. Right, it's all dark, sort of green, purple, and black. So it sort of signifies things are getting a bit more real, a bit trickier. Yeah, and then yeah. then you have to sort of journey through a temple. To unlock at the net um, at the weapon that you need to open the next stage, hmm. and I think it kind of doing in doing that, it sort of has that sense of you know the gameplay gets darker, you know by then the gameplay is getting more complex as well as the RPG elements are introduced, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of the the temple has a lot of puzzle elements. So you've got that, mm. so the music kind of is it's a kind of bit dark, mystical, yeah, like. sort of darker, sort of more complex. The pacing slows right down as well. Like real minor key stuff with uh, the occasional like prickly bit, like yeah. little brisk runs and things. And yeah. then, you know, the the desert theme. I guess the de- I, I'm trying to put these in order in my head. I think <laughs> the desert is the next full stage, and it it has a lot of the locations for some reason. I guess to make the world feel bigger, or have several screens between them of just sort of journey time. All right. So you leave the sort of village that you're in at, at the, to go to the desert, then you pass through about six screens of just empty desert where you fight kind of scorpions and snakes on the mm-hmm. way through it until you reach the pyramid. And then the pyramid's a long level of sort of climbing, mm. lots of rope puzzles, switches to lower ra- bridges. And I think you kind of get that vibe that like the desert thing, as well as having sort of little accents to go alongside the sort of your cartoon or, e- you know, ancient Egypt right right you, know, you get that there is kind of you know, the hints v- of vague that. Arabian Nights yeah, thing. yeah. Like it's got <laughs> it's, that kind of thing it's to in it. the intervals of the pictures you know, but yeah. it's sort of but the it's it's a much slower theme and I think the way it's drawn out is sort of here you are journeying across the desert yeah no, I can hear that and, and then sure. this long sort of and then yeah the long climb up the pyramid mm. you know it's the first stage that feels like it's a bit of a grind right yeah, or sort of that this is a long quest, this isn't just sort of bouncing to village, yeah. go into the, the dungeon, solve the dungeon and come straight back out. You know, you're, you're on a journey somewhere. I've got to check this game out, yeah. It sounds like it's got quite a lot of depth 
uh, alongside Master of Darkness as well. Yeah, and I think I think that's kind of why I love it. Cause at the time, being well, a child, <laughs> and and like pl- platform games were what games were then, really. Uh huh. You know, that was the standard mode of kind of action game. Yeah, just pick it up and play it. And this was a platform game, and and it looks, it's got really sort of cutesy, cartoony graphics, you know, more detailed than you'd get in, say, Alex Kidd, big eyes, Mm. like, not chibi artwork, but... Not quite, but I know what you mean. In that family of sort of, you know, small body, big head, big eyes, kind of art. Like of exaggerated features. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, should we move on to the next one? Yeah. Okay. This is something yeah. that I, I, I suggested <laughs> this, knowing that you'd played a different version of it yes. recently. And uh, that I, yeah. I this, But at the same time, it's a game I had and loved. Mm. Um, it's an interesting one, yes. So, um, Alien 3. Yes. Alien 3, the game. Uh, I played... I had the SNES game, the Super Nintendo game, and, of course, it was... Uh, this game existed, or versions, or... Different different games really existed across a number of platforms, including the Master System, which I didn't realise until quite recently. And I was happy to realise it because uh, the soundtrack is composed by a certain Matt Furness, who is a, a pretty widely celebrated composer. He's he's got some really really great credits under his belt. He's got a great sound, and uh, and this soundtrack, the Alien Three on the Master System, is quite consistent with his sound. So let's just hear like a just a really short little nugget from this soundtrack to get us started. Okay, that was um, that was the first track from the Alien Three soundtrack. That was um, the twentieth century Fox fanfare. Um, I wonder if like they had to include that in the in the game, or if it was just Matt Furness thinking it would be kind of funny to put it in at the top. I don't know because I can yeah because I can remember playing other sort of licensed games that would be yeah. of a similar you know um, like Robocop versus Terminator that kind of mm, thing. Okay, and like you didn't have anyone kind of replicating the sort of opening stings of sort of like the producer's kind of titles. Right. It's just kind of funny hearing it on a master system yeah. too. Yeah, <laughs> to actually do it on this game of all games yeah. <laughs> is an odd choice. Well, I like that they did it anyway. Yeah. yeah, this is, again, this is a really good soundtrack. Um, predominantly very moody for yeah. my money. It's a very uh, like claustrophobic sounding thing, like almost uh, in, in the same league as like Metroid sort of feel, right? Yeah, like, I mean, uh, it compared to... If you've played the 16-bit versions, this mm. is a sort of scaled-back version of mm. that game. The side-scrolling... Yeah, I can imagine. ...sort of platforming, mm. shooting, crawling through vents, not, you know, like Alien 3, the gun, if you've ever been at yeah. an arcade. <laughs> I imagine they're still there somewhere, because oh, that was man, a really love... great arcade game. But this, it doesn't look that different to mm. the SNES version, which is... You know, it's kind of saying something for the yeah. No, system. it is. It's a, it's quite a, quite an achievement. Uh, it does sound a lot different, though. The SNES yeah. version sounds like very uh, sort of unrelentingly hard and yet orchestral for it. Like it's got strings and like you know timpanis and like military snares and stuff. It, yeah. It's it's like on the whole time, and 
at times it's really grating where so when like something's like hugging your face and you're trying to shake it off and shoot things it's uh it kind of makes perfect sense because the game the action doesn't really let up so the music doesn't either but then on this soundtrack the game's slow as well there's there's from a system game like where platforming is sort of the sort of the thing to do mm-hmm. you're fast-paced en- your enemies shooting across the screen your plat jumping timed puzzles this is a game that sort of lets you it doesn't have that kind of metroidvania thing of being able to go back and unlock areas did was did the snes one do that um to an extent i mean it was still based on levels but the levels were quite like large it would take you a while to plow through these are levels that you could kind of explore Mm. to find hostages it's a bit like that yeah but so you had for a mass system game it gave you a lot of downtime or sort of bits where you'd be crawling through vents and it wasn't like the vents were packed with aliens Mm. but there were aliens in there so it's a game that was sort of dark and moody and for that console and that time Mm. it was a slow game right i mean now it might not look like that because there'd be aliens in every corridor but compared to anything else i would have been playing then it was you know Mm. yeah dark slow moody more of a industrial looking game yeah, I wonder if uh, Matt Furness like played a demo of it uh, before he composed it. I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if that were the case because it certainly sounds like he did. It sounds like a really good match. Um, we're going to hear the title screen music, the, the, presumably the first thing you hear after the fanfare, and, and then a piece called Episode 2. <laughs>
title screen and episode two from Alien 3 on the Sega Master System. Before I said that um, the Master System can't really reproduce much in the way of like deep bass sounds, uh, that for the most part is is true, but uh, you'll, you'll have heard that there were some pretty deep and raspy noises uh, on the bass on the bass riffs there. Uh, it, it's some advanced technique that uh, composers could use where they would, I think it's like clock one of the channels at a, at a certain speed to make it like, a, I don't know the science behind it, but it's to, to make a different timbre and you can get away with like, you know, lower, lower pitches. So he's been very crafty here and it, it, it definitely works in the, for these two tracks. Yeah, that uh, second one especially, the way it sort of grinds along. Yeah, it sort of comes back in the middle, but it's there at the start and the end as well. Mm-hmm. That sort of really kind of industrial sort of groove to mm-hmm. it. And there's some like real like wailing as well uh, in like the square wave sounds, like almost like a lead guitar, I guess. Like there's a little bit of harmonising, there's some like Van Halen arpeggios and yeah, a bit of uh, bit like bends and stuff. No, it's um, I don't know. I think I think it suits. Uh, I think it suits like Alien Three to an extent. Uh, it's, it's yeah, I mean, somewhat cinematic. Yeah, and it fits with the sort of it, it's kind of broken down machinery that sort of colours every level. Mm-hmm. Sort of the mix of sort of fr- sort of patches of frantic action and then mm. sort of exploring. A lot of the, the levels open quite slowly anyway, mm. and you know. Then for master for a mass system game, they're quite non-linear levels as well. You can go back and forth. Yeah, right, so you've yeah. got that sort of industrial groove to it to be the sort of grinding kind mm. of mechanical nature of the levels, but then also being able to pick it up for the action as well. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, here's another game. Uh, how are we? How are we pronouncing this? Govelius. Govel- yeah. Go- Govelius. Yeah, we'll go with that. Govelius. The Valley of Doom. The Valley of Doom. Uh, now this is another game that isn't uh, hugely uh, far removed from, like, Legend of Zelda sort of stuff, it right? It plays... For all that I was saying that Wonder Boy Monster World has Zelda elements, mm. Govelius, in the, in, it has that sort of top-down... Mm. Like an action top, RPG. Uh, yeah, yeah, sort of gameplay. It plays more like uh, Zelda does. I got you. Um, yeah. I don't think it's... It's not as good a game as either of those... Okay. But it's still, it it was hard, and I, looking it up, like reading a bit about it, sort of getting ready for this, it had a password save system, right? A thirty-two character password <laughs> save system. Okay, so they're cramming a lot of information. <laughs> yeah, so there was a lot going on, um, and it was quite a long game from what I remember. Mm, I haven't um, even heard of this one at all, to be honest. No, in box art terms, you've got a sort of <laughs> uh, that kind of fantasy artwork of sort of. Like a sort of Conan kind of barbarian kind of character at the bottom okay. at the bottom of the picture in a sort of blue tunic and he's got this long nice. green hair, you know, muscles. Yeah. You know, he's got a kind of thing that could be a cross between a helmet and a crown and a big yeah. sword and he's sort of rescuing a bosomy maiden. Right, I'm gonna stop you there because <laughs> this reminds me of something, right? Do you remember that, that Henry Rollins routine we was talking about where he went to see Kiss in San Bernardino and he's like walking through the parking lot to get to the arena and he's looking at like all the KISS fans and they're all ha- they have like cars with paint jobs where it's pretty much what you've just described. Yeah. Like a man like wielding like a shimitar, like, like you know, raising his sword to the heavens like 
and there's like a a woman with like boob cones like humping his leg like it's that sort of thing right yeah it, it's yeah it's that kind of vibe you know like it, the paint job it, it's you know is really <laughs> detailed like <laughs> okay like really like kind of not photorealistic but like if you've seen like yeah like sort of really highly detailed paintings from like Conan kind of scenes mm-hmm. and above them like most of the, the box art's black and then at the top of the, the page you see that the black's actually this sort of giant sort of amorphous creature oh yeah, yeah. with sort of tentacles nice. coming off it and sort of these evil eyes and mouth that he's sort of raising his sword at yeah nice I mean in terms of what the game actually looks like it's tiny body, big head, big cartoony <laughs> eyes. You fight snakes with, you know, really round <laughs> heads and big. So like, you use your imagination a bit then. Yeah. So like for all the artwork is kind of man of war, Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. The gameplay and art style is not quite Zelda. No. Okay. Like, I get the feeling that if if the game sprites hadn't already been done with sort of blue tunic and green hair, that that character wouldn't have been dressed like that. Right. It's okay. sort of they've taken some generic muscle man fantasy yeah. artwork and kind of gone, oh yeah, the 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 teenage protagonist of this game mm. looks a bit like a lemming. Can can you put a lemming's paint job on that corner, like on the barbarian you've got in this picture? I see. It was a game that <sighs> I, I probably played the first few stages a lot mm. and the later stages never oh, okay. you know the kind of game that you restart going this time I'm doing it and, and then, then you don't yeah there was that <laughs> password thing like because you used to get the, you know, the instruction manuals with these games and they'd have oftentimes would have little uh, like note pages that you would just fill with passwords within a week of getting the game right and then you yeah. just have overspill of random scraps of paper just clogging up your shelves like yeah or just sort of you'd open up the case and they'd be sort of just fall they're, out. They're, they're kind of tucked in behind the cartridge. Yeah, or yeah. It's one that, yeah, it was probably a box art pick. Not not okay. not for thinking that that kind of thing was amazing. <laughs> That's the coolest like, possible thing yeah, for a nine-year-old. I, I think mainly, yeah. Well, if you're like kind of looking at it and being like, well, I like He-Man and yeah, this yeah, is yeah, a yeah. kind of green-eyed green-haired He-Man character and on the back, you know, mm. he's fighting monsters, he's going in caves. Yeah. That what could sound- go wrong? Yeah, what? Yeah, great. This is a massive soundtrack. Um, there are 30 pieces on this soundtrack, and as such, it has uh, quite a lengthy credits list as well. I think there are four composers credited here. We have Masatomo Miyamoto, Takeshi Santo, Shinkun, and Pazu. Four composers for you there. We're going to, um, although there are 30 tunes, I've picked a couple, uh, and the ones I've picked are First Cave. Uh, I would assume that that is the music you hear upon entering the, the first cave of the game. And Overworld 2 from Golvelius Valley of Doom.
Golbelius Valley of Doom. A um, couple of real heroic tunes there, I think. That was First Cave and Overworld 2. Is heroic the word, do you think? I think so. It kind of yeah. sounds it for me. And it says it speaks more to the, the cover, the box art, than the title screen art, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and looking looking back at some pic, like screenshots and bits of video, that you've got an overworld that's kind of top-down Zelda mm-hmm. RPG kind of yeah. thing. And then caves are side-scrolling platform, but quite simple. Right. Um but yeah. I think you get that sense of like when Overworld Two starts, it it's it's the track. It's you know having defeated the first boss, you return to the Overworld, mm. and things are sort of coloured. You know the character of the game uh, sort yeah. of steps up again. Like you know we've discussed that. So you get that kind of hero. So I guess the first kind of levels are you know sort of making your first tentative steps yeah. into the world, and Easing then things sort of. You know, you defeat someone and, and things pick up kind of in the hero stakes as mm. well. It's yeah, yeah. sort of levelling up, you know, your more health bar, yeah, your health bar increases, you're mm. upgrading your weapons, mm. you know, bigger and badder enemies. Guests are maybe also rewarding you for sticking with the game because uh, perhaps not too many people did who actually owned this as a cartridge, right? Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I, well, I don't know anyone else who played it. No, no. We were the only people I know who had this. And we didn't play it mm. that much because it was a game that was a bit overwhelming. Nah. For all that it, you know, I haven't seen, I haven't watched any reviews or anything since, and that, so I don't know how highly it's regarded. Mm. Um, but it's an interesting game, and for for not being for not having access to Zelda, yeah, like a it, it's some substitute. A, yeah, it's a it's a workable substitute. Sure, and it has a lot in it. Soundtrack's massive too, right? So yeah. Plenty for the likes of me to get uh, sink my teeth into, which is always nice. Just about reached the end, actually. We have uh, one game left. Um, before we get into that, let's talk about uh, your plugs. Do we call them plugs? Um, oh, I will say one thing. Yeah. Um, this is my first time doing this. Yeah. But I did once podcast something before, which was when I worked for the library service. I did a series of interviews for um, an event we had called Canny Comic Con. Canny Comic Con. Which was in 2011 and 2012. Um, mainly local artists, small press comic stuff. Yeah. Um, there was, yeah, there was two events at the library, at the Newcastle City Library. Who else was there? Brian Talbot was there, who's worked on Batman and 2000 AD. And mm. he won, I think it was the Costa Prize with the book that his wife, Mary, wrote. Okay. On Daughter of My Father's House. Anyway. I'd podcasted the interviews with the artists when that happened, and after five years, this year, Canny Comic Con is back. It's back this year. So if anyone's in the Newcastle area, sometime this spring, we're going to have our own small press, local artists, comic convention again. Cool. And that's going to be at the libraries, right? I think they're using the library again. Um, They haven't said what what kind of um, events are on, but the times they've done it before, there's been workshops for kids, yeah, like helping them design their own superheroes or draw comics, um, you know, meeting artists who've worked on 2000 AD mm. um, or local small press guys or then those panel discussions and those are screening of a fan film um, based in the Judge Dredd universe. Oh, nice. Um, if you know Thought Bubble in Leeds... Imagine a smaller Newcastle-based. Oh, nice! Kind okay, of equivalent. That's the Canny Comic Con 2017 Newcastle yeah. upon Tyne. I, 
I think their Twitter handle is at Canny Comic Con. Okay. Um, or look for Paper Jam Collective because they're uh, the guys yes. who are setting it up. Yeah, I know. I know of those. I went to um, their Zine Fair right before Christmas, and uh, my wife Hannah and I made some delightful zines when we were there, and had some good stuff. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, so if you good know people. That, yeah, yeah. So if you imagine the sort of the point where that kind of thing starts meeting. You know, sort of the edge of more mainstream comics. This is, mm. but this isn't. I mean, there there was cosplayers there, but this wasn't your big. You know, come and stand beside a Batmobile and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, dresses. You know, the Flash yeah. or whatever. This was a lot more. You kind of hands on. That's of. cool. Maybe I should do some Golvelius cosplay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the, the Lenning version rather than the Conan version. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, I'll certainly keep my eyes peeled for that this year. They deserve a mention because it's been a few years since we've had something like that, and it's yeah. local, and they're organising it themselves. Yeah. And yeah. I know last time, the people who did it like ran themselves into the ground and put on two great days. Mm, so really worked hard. Hopefully, at that. more of the same. Cool. Yeah. Well, I know for a fact, uh, Paper Jam are a good bunch. So uh, I look forward to that myself. All right. Um, Previously on this podcast, episode 16, the last one before this one, was a battle. Uh, have you heard that one yet? I haven't listened to it yet, <laughs> okay. I've, got it, I've got it queued up, it's saved here on my phone. Yeah, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, it's, a, it's a battle where me and uh, a few guests, I guess some friends, uh, uh, pick some pieces of VGM and then we score each other's picks as we go and... It's it's completely ridiculous competition. Uh, I came last, which is pretty damning considering it's my VGM podcast. But I was I was joking like people are sick of experts in this day and age, so it's you know it's fine. I think we're going to do another one, but for the time being, uh, check that one out, episode sixteen. And uh, I also did an episode on the PC Engine slash TurboGrafx sixteen, another console specific episode uh, in January. So. If you like this sort of sound that we're covering today, maybe you'd like that stuff too. Yeah, if you want to follow this podcast on Twitter, you can do so. FSV Podcast. You'll find us on Facebook as well as updates about all the episodes as and when they materialize. And also, if you're using iTunes, the iTunes store, to get hold of these podcasts, then it would be super kind if you could leave us a review or... Uh, I don't know, like a star rating or something like that. It really helps because then more people can find the show and enjoy all these tunes with us. That's just about it. But we have one more game, and it's uh, this is the one we added to the list last. I think is that right? Yeah, yeah. and it's uh, I think chronologically as well. It's probably the latest release of mm. any of the games we've got here. Okay, and it's a game that fits with a theme of things that should be for kids, but. Ob- end up being like brick yeah like, <laughs> you don't really get it so much these days but games that should be simple look cute and then are just cheap as hell right really cheap really <laughs> frustrating you know there's a puzzle where you have to jump onto a platform and just as you do so you know someone chuck, chucks a stone across or the screen's chasing up behind you uh. um and the characters it's about are there's a con uh, there's a conspiracy theory I read on the... It was in the New Statesman the other day that yeah. these characters are an allegory for white supremacy. Oh, really? Yes, and uh, they are. Right. Can you guess what they are? <laughs> the Smurfs. The Smurfs. <laughs> um, I didn't see that coming. Um, it, it, that, that doesn't impact the game. Uh, the uh, game is a side-scrolling right, platformer with some cheap bits of puzzle platforming. Yeah, there's, there's, there's no uh, like veiled... 
like white supremacist ideology no. in the game. No, it, it's good. That they're they're, scru- they're traveling the lands to rescue Smurfette from Gargamel. Oh, I see. As I see. is the plot of every episode of the Smurfs. Yeah, yeah. Probably. Um, it's been a while since I've seen any of those cartoons, but the music is a bit odd for this one. Mm. Um, it doesn't quite have the breezy, smiley kind of cartoon vibe mm. you'd expect. Well, I can maybe uh, go somewhere towards answering uh, that. Um, the composer is Alberto Jose Gonzalez, who is uh, a big cheese in tip tune composition for games. Like he's one of the guys. He's he's great. Like really, really, really great composer. He's been on this podcast uh, at least once before, probably twice. Uh, yeah, he's he's one of the good guys. He's got lots of credits for uh, like eight bit systems, including handhelds like Game Boy. Uh, like really, really experienced composer and a lot of this stuff is a little bit i wouldn't say grittier but a bit more has a bit more gravitas to it than uh the the title smurfs would suggest right this game is just called the smurfs right yeah it's just called the smurfs um i think it was i think it was a multi-platform release but again the mass system and game gear Mm. you know share a version with shorter stages right 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 fewer stages or redesigned stages. Sounds about right. I mean, such was its time. Yeah. But, uh, These are two really nice pieces. We're going to hear The Swamp and Mountain. So some imaginative titles to go out on. Uh, nice pieces. Hope you enjoy them. Uh, thank you very much for listening and thank you, Rob, for joining us on this uh, on this freezing cold Sunday evening. Not that it's cold in the house, but uh, you have come out of your way, so we appreciate that. And uh, maybe we'll have you on again at some point. What do you think? Yeah, I'm sure I can think of plenty of games. Yeah, no with doubt. Odd bits of sound. Great, good stuff. Well, these have been uh, these have been some good picks insofar as I now have uh, two or three old Master System titles to uh, to get stuck into when I get a little bit of time. So let's get into this: the swamp and mountain. Keep your eyes peeled for the next episode, and I'll uh, see you before too long. Thanks a lot. <laughs>